I'll tell you, it's funny how it doesn't matter what kind of storm is in your life. It doesn't matter where it's coming from. As soon as you get in his presence, he can say, peace be still, like nobody else. During worship today, I wanted to jump up here so bad. <laughs> I wanted, because there is a freedom in the house today. You can feel it. You can feel the joy of the Lord. And I just, I just thank him. David said, my foot almost slipped. And I almost went out of my way until I went to the house of the Lord. And then I remembered that I'm so thankful for the house of the Lord. You just have to excuse me today. I'm, I'm thankful for battles because you can't really know Jesus without a battle. I, I'm telling you, experiencing him today, I walked in here with a storm on my mind and I just felt his peace. This world cannot give what he can give. He gives a peace that you can't explain. Only he can tell you in the middle of the storm what's going to happen. Only he can tell you you're going to make it. Only you, your friends can tell you. Think about this. This has nothing to do with my sermon. Y'all better get with me. I'm going to preach for two hours. <laughs> your friends can tell you it's going to be okay. Your friends can text you. They can send you scriptures. But there's something about the minute you're in the presence of the king. And what I've learned is, I told my dad yesterday, when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego... When they went in the fire, we all talk about how the fourth man stood with them in the fire. Well, I love it because in that story, the king called for them. Well, the three Hebrew boys came out of the fire. The fourth man stayed in the fire. And for all of ages, as we've been put into the fire, that fourth man is right there in the fire. He's, I'm telling you, I don't care what you're going through today. He's in the fire with you. There's a time you can know him. Listen, you might have walked in here, you all dolled up and looking pretty, and in your mind you were attacked. I'm telling you, that fourth man is right there with you in the middle of every storm. And I'm telling you, you'll know him more and more in the fire. Amen? That's what I wanted to say during the altar call. Now the sermon. <laughs> I'm telling you, I feel his presence. Turn with me real quick. I won't keep you long. I love days where we're taking people to the church. I told Minty she's been grandfathered in. I was like, I don't know what you're doing up here. <laughs> it's like, you're grandfathered in. Matthew 16. It says, then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone will come to me after me, let him deny himself. And let me stop there. We must live lives after Christ. Amen. It's not enough just to say you're a believer. It's not enough to say you're a church attender. There has to be a desire. And if you don't have the desire, the greatest thing you can ever do is just say, God, I don't have the desire. Give me a desire again for Christ. So let's be after Christ. Then you must deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. Now, I'm not preaching on that so you guys can relax. For whosoever would save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what shall a man Give an exchange for his soul. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. 
we pray. That anointing that we felt during worship, God, anoint us again. For, receive your word and respond to your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Keep that up. So this week, a man named Stephen Hawking, maybe you know him, maybe you don't, he passed away. One of the leading scientists. He was definite on there was no God. He said there was no God. When they asked him about it, he said in creation there's not enough time for there to be a creator because once the big bang happened and he's on this black holes and all this and I was looking him up and he's worth 20 he was worth until he passed away this week he was worth 20 million dollars he had everything he ever wanted and he was so adamant against God and brother Abrams posted something about the scripture that says really a fool, they were talking about what an amazing thought scientist he is, what a leading thinker. And Brother Abram said, no, a fool has said in his heart, there is no God. And as he posted that, the Holy Spirit just prompted me to say, I just thought, what would he give in exchange for his soul? What did he, oh, 20, is that, what is that $20 million worth him right now? What is all these, these, especially on the East and West Coast, all these big colleges, they get him in to speak, and they talk about that how much they worshipped him really is what the truth of it is, and how much they looked to him. I thought, what did he exchange? Was all that power and all that, what really did it accomplish him now? Amen. Amen? Now listen, I wanted to preach so bad about the fourth man in the fire and the, I told Dad, the Holy Spirit kept telling me, there are people here today in this service that you need to hear that there's an exchange that you can take that will lead you into eternal destruction. And I, I just wanted to see what the Greek was on the word exchange. And it was an act of giving one thing and receiving another. So it's an act of, Jesus said, you have possession of your soul. What will you give your soul away for to get? Now listen, you can put that down. This is not just to the lost. In the church world today, we have made an exchange of our souls. We have compromised things. We Listen, it's very slow of a fade. I love that song. It happens slowly. We begin to make compromises or we begin to make exchanges for our spiritual walk and our spiritual life. And at the end of your life, it will not matter. If rapture happens today, what have you exchanged out for your soul? Now, your soul is important because I know a lot of people don't believe this and stuff, but Animals are going to go to the dirt. There are going to be animals in heaven, so chill out, all you that love animals. But when God breathed in man, he did not breathe in animals. He breathed in man, and man became a living soul. Now, let me tell you something. I'm not, the Bible says those that take care of their animals are godly in Proverbs. It's true. You should take care of your animals, so don't get me, don't get all offended before we get there. But the problem is there's a movement that have put your little chihuahua, Lucy, and all them right up there with human life. You know, they carry them in your purse. And you, I'm like, if you come into a business with a dog, I'd want to headbutt you, really. But I don't. I just say, bless them, Lord. It's not, it's not a human being. It does not have a soul. You should love your dog. I had a dog named Jack. And Bethany's going to cry right now. We had to get rid of Jack. Because I was allergic to him. I'm a bubble boy. I love Jack. So don't get me wrong. It's not about dogs. 
It's about there's an agenda out there trying to tell you that's how we can murder so many babies in abortion because they're the same as a dog. They're not the same as a dog. You're not the same as a dog. You're a living soul because God Almighty breathed into you. And when he breathed into you, you became a soul that will live forever. Amen. Forever. So now, whose job is it to keep your soul? Yours. It's your job. It's my job. I started thinking about Samson. I don't know what Samson has to do with souls, but I just thought about him. Some of us exchange, we get so close to a breakthrough, and we're so discouraged. You ever been in your Christian walk where church is just church? You ever been there? Come on. Let's be real today. It's just church. Well, it's Sunday. That's what we do. And we all preach, we don't want that. We want relationship. I'm telling you, you're human. You do the same thing over and over and over again. You have to be revived. You have to be renewed. Samson was so used to doing church stuff that he started to make an exchange. And listen, everybody's like, it's, it's women. It's women. No, 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 no. Those women had nothing. They were the world. He did not fully believe anymore of his calling and that what God could do through him. And it became, oh, yeah, I slayed a thousand men, took the gates, threw it on there. Oh, yeah, you know, this line came. I just ripped his head off. Didn't he? He started looking for something else. I'm telling you, in the church today, we have gotten to a place where the miraculous power and move of God does not move people like it used to. And so when they come here, they're thinking about out there. Those women represent the world. Right. He put his head in the lap of the world and he exchanged his soul for the world. Because he was like, the church don't do it. I don't feel it like I used to. I don't love it like I used to. You get around some church people that are full of the devil and they'll really rub you wrong. He's got the people out there. Amen. That was no amens, but it's so true. And you say, man, what's the point in this? And you go put your head down in the lap of the world. You go retreat into the things that are comfortable. He was so comfortable. I'm scared the church has said we will continue to keep our Nazarite vow, which means we will keep our hair and we will abstain from the do's and don'ts. I'm not going to smoke. I'm not going to drink. I'm not going to cuss. And we totally become bored and we don't see the purpose. And we lay our heads down in the world and the seven locks are cut. And when they cut his seven locks, the seven always represents power and victory and completeness. And God, he lost his victory. So he looked the part. Can't, I, when you read, you should go read this. Because when it says, she said, hey, the Philistines are coming to take you down. He shook himself and he did not know the Lord had departed. It's one of the saddest scriptures. I'm scared that we can get the music just right. We can get the preaching just right. And people come in here and feel something. And then the battle comes, and then all of a sudden they realize, whoa, God's not with me. Because God doesn't work on your agenda or your time scale. He's not going to do it your way. Right. Amen. Right. He's going to do it his way. That book is important. It, that book is more than just a book. It is his son. Yeah. 
You cannot know Jesus Christ without reading your word and making sure you're okay. And I'm telling you today, God continued to tell me, preach this. Don't preach about the fourth man. You can do that later. Of course, I kind of slipped it in. (laughs) Some of you are playing a game with your soul. And I'm not looking down at you because today I went down to that altar and said, God, I need you to keep me. I need you to grab me. I thought about the song, draw me close to you. Don't let me go ever. And I prayed that today. God, grab me and God, keep me. When I think about exchanging, look, it would be easy. Ask her. When we got engaged, I said to her, hey, before we get engaged, we're getting in the ministry. People are going to lie about you. They're going to hate you, probably because they hate me mostly. But they're going to hate you. And they're going to attack you, and they're going to hurt you. And every minister that's been in here long enough knows what those scars feel like. Judas is always going to be in the building. It ain't going to be the Pharisees out there. It's going to be your own boys that hurt you. And I told her, I said, hey, don't say yes until you realize what we're about to step into. There's going to be 3 a.m. calls that kids tried to commit suicide and we got to go to the psych ward and there's going to be all kind of things that people don't understand and know about. There's going to be spiritual attacks on you. You don't even know what's going on. And then you realize when you get through it, now somebody in the church is going through it and now you know how to pray. You only walk through it so that you could minister to people. Crazy. True. You don't think in the middle of that that the temptation To walk away becomes real. You don't have to be a preacher to fight that. Just get in here and want to see God do something through this church. You will draw the attention of the adversary. And I look around. This place is filled with people that love this church and want us to go forward. So sometimes you start getting hit. And he hits you and hits you. And all of a sudden it comes from this way and it comes from that way. And the exchange becomes so easy. You can say, man, I, I don't need this. Man, that mega church down the road has an 8 a.m. service. I could be there at 8, 9.15. I could be out on the lake. Don't act like y'all hadn't thought about it. I went to church 8 to 9.15. My Sunday's my Sunday now. That compromise comes so easy. And listen, I'm not against. I'm, mega churches have resources and they do things, and I'm thankful for them. So don't, don't get me wrong. But I am telling you, it'll be easy to hide. The temptation to exchange becomes so easy for your soul. Stephen Hawking, back to him, he had $20 million. And now he would give it in a heartbeat for one drop of water. The scarier thing would be, he didn't sit in a church like this. What are we going to do if we're the unwise virgins that didn't keep our soul ready? And he comes back. Listen, when you start to feel compromises of your soul, here's what happens. Just letting you know, been there, done that, wrote the book. You start to lose interest in God's house. So you don't think church attendance is that big a deal. Now, I'm not talking to you if you work. I had to work a job twice in my life now where I couldn't make Sunday nights. I get that. That's part of working. It's part of it. I'm not talking about that, so don't get there. And I'm not talking about if you're sick. 
If you're sick, we will send you a handkerchief to your house, anointed, and pray for you. Okay? Don't come believing. Believe at your house, and we will send healing like Paul did. Amen. So, I'm being funny. Come if you feel sick. I'm sorry. But, so you begin to lose, and I got one other scripture I'm going to read, but you begin to lose your love for the things you used to love. And really, you didn't love God's house. Really, you loved Him. You know, I'm glad when they said unto me, let's go to the house of the Lord. Well, Peter and those guys sometimes didn't get to go to the house of the Lord. They had to meet in their house because they were under persecution. And it wasn't the house that made it. It was the place where they were in love to meet with Him as a body. Now, I believe this is a sacred place. Timothy says, so you should know how to act in the house of God, which is the house of the Lord. I've heard people say, well, this is just a building. No, 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 no. This is not just a building. That's unscriptural, actually. This is a holy place. This is where God comes down in the midst of his people. It's a sacred place. Amen? So you need to understand that's biblical. Don't listen to... Listen, anytime you start hearing these little sayings from people, go read your Bible. Men get these great ideas in their head, and they start to preach them, and we bite them hook, line, and sinker. So all of a sudden you get, your, the house of God just isn't as important anymore. Ever been there? All of a sudden that prayer life that is so easy when the Lord's doing it becomes a burden. Instead of getting to go pray, you have to go pray. It's different. Prayer should not interrupt your life. Your life should be interrupted with prayer or vice versa. I always say it wrong. I just told myself. You get what I'm saying. You're still like, oh, man, I can't live my life because I have to go pray. What? No, you should say, I have to leave prayer because I have to go live my life. When you're on fire for him and you're in love with him, prayer's easy. Your time for the word. When you start to see the devil will keep you away from the word of God because the word of God is the sword that will beat him off. It is the very thing that he cannot stand against the word of God. Amen? That's why when you read the scriptures, the sword is of the spirit. It's not your sword. And what happens is you get in worship like this and all of a sudden those scriptures come to your mind and that devil that's been attacking you, it cuts him. You say, yeah, my foot almost slipped, Satan, because the Holy Spirit's telling him, until I went to the house of the Lord, then I remembered. I remembered what it was all about. I remembered the eternal. See, the sword of the Spirit will work. What if you didn't read that? What if you didn't know that? You don't have a sword now. That's what's wrong with the church. They can tell you right now every team in March Madness and how good it's doing and how bad it's doing, and they can't tell you five verses from their heart. We're in the assemblies of God. Most people that sit here think we're just a happy Baptist church. Well, they're a little more lively than a Baptist church. That is not who we are. You should understand that. I love my Baptist friends, but there's a reason they're called Baptists and we're called Assembly of God. You've got to know what you believe. There's called 16 fundamental truths we believe. And guess what they're based off? Not of what any man thinks. There's 16 scriptures. And actually, there's 16 scriptures with three references with each one of scripture. We believe in some things. You've got to know. 
You, amen. And so why do we lose our interest? Because we begin to exchange things. We exchange our Bible reading for. You could probably put cell phone, 90% of the people in this room, you could probably put the word cell phone in there. I exchanged my prayer for cell phone. I exchanged this. Listen, technology is great. I sat in my living room yesterday morning, and I beat my dad's eyes out at a golf game while he sat in his living room. We were online. We played each other. I'm not, listen, I'm not against your cell phone. I thought it was awesome. Just killing him. Just beating his eyes out from my sofa, from my recliner. To which I got a text back because you can't talk in the game. I will beat you one day. And I was like, there's a Lankford right there. So I'm not against that. I needed that breather. I just needed to chill with my dad, even though we weren't even in the same room. Let me tell you, let me, let me give you one last scripture. And I'll, a set of scriptures and we'll close, okay? Luke 12. Listen, Ronine told me something one time, and I, I've been, you can keep it up. And she said a lot of people don't understand the technology that we have. There, and she was like, I wish you would teach us sometimes. And listen, if you want to talk to me after church or whatever, there are a lot of Bible apps, and there are a lot of great resources. I found a new one called Bubble Bible, and it's awesome. It's any version I want. And the, every word that's in there, all you have to do is touch the word, and it pops up what the Greek or Hebrew is. You don't have to go search it. You don't have to do any. It's got the strongs built in. That is great to understand what you're reading. So, you know, it's just, so if you ever want to ask me about apps or anything, I, I think there's a lot of good technology out there. Um, it says, someone in the crowd said to him, Jesus, tell, um, teacher, tell um, my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus said to him, man, who appointed me a judge or an arbitrator between you? Then he said to them, take heed and beware of covetousness. Do you think we sell out and exchange a lot of times for covet? Do you think that's at the root of most of it? I think Paul actually said, if the Bible didn't say, if the word didn't say, thou shalt not covet, I wouldn't even know sin. Exactly. Think about that. That is what it says. He confirmed that. For a man's life does not consist in the abundance of things he possesses. I'm telling you, we make an exchange right there. We think Stephen Hawkins had houses. He had beach homes. He had all this stuff. And right now today, it means nothing. Verse 16. And he told a parable to them saying, The land of a rich man produced plentiful. He thought to himself, What shall I do? For I have no room to store my crops. Then he said, this I'll do. I'll put down my barns and build greater ones. And there I will store all my grain and all my goods. And I will say to my soul. Now look at this. We're talking about soul. When I was reading this, I was like, wow. He said to his own soul. Soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take rest, eat, drink, and be merry. That cry is going forth from pulpits all over America today that you've done. Take heat, rest in the finished work of God. Take it, be rest, be merry, go fellowship, go socialize. Listen, you better watch how you talk to your own soul. 
You better be careful what you say to your soul. You better be careful. That's what David did when he fell. He said, David, you've won all these battles. Go rest. And it says at times when kings should go to battle, David was in the palace eating grapes. And, and that's when he saw Bathsheba. It wasn't Bathsheba's fault. David was where he shouldn't be because he talked to his own soul. Some of us should be careful how we talk to our own soul. We let ourselves off the hook so easy and we exchange so easy. We're in America. Most of us are going to go eat somewhere today, spend more money than most people in third world countries are going to make in a year. We're not rich. We are so rich. Amen. Look at 20. It says, but God said, that's what I want to tell you today. Your soul, at the end of it all, God's going to say. He's going to say. Look what he says. You fool. This night your soul will be required of you. Then whose, um, whose will those things be which you have provided? So is he who stores up treasures for himself and not rich towards God. Amen. Amen. I believe that God wants us to bless and be prosperous. And I believe he wants us to have things and money as our soul prospers. What if that man was kingdom minded and he got the best crop he's ever gotten and he called in all the least of these and began to feed them and have a banquet and have a kingdom mindset? See, it wasn't about him. And I'm telling you, I feel this. If you're not careful, your life will become about you. It'll become about what you want and what you want to do. And this is how I'm going to do it. And it won't be about them. And I'm telling you that when we exchange our loss for us instead of them, we lose our soul. Amen. I know it's not popular. I know this is not a message. But we make exchanges sometimes. And I'm thankful for this church. And they give. And the Polks are out today. I was talking to them. And they're raising money and this church has done so much but man i'm telling you it's not just about supporting just a couple of missionaries it's about living with a mindset of you've got to watch your soul and god loves a cheerful giver it might be giving your time to somebody amen when you see a brother in need that's fighting and kind of burning out sometimes you might have to just say i got to cancel my plans this weekend and I got to go spend some time here because I want to keep my soul. Amen. Amen. Yeah, we exchange so easy. I have so much respect for my Uncle Jeff. My cousin Cole couldn't go to football practice on Wednesday nights because they, the coach kept him too long. And Jeff went to the coach and said, Cole can't be there on Wednesdays. He's going to have to leave practice because I'm not going to teach him that football is more important than the church. And so Cole didn't get to play. You know how coaches are. He didn't like that at all. He didn't get to play until the second half. He had to sit the first two halves. And when I went to watch him, I, I wanted to stand up and clap. When he went in, I thought, my Uncle Jeff is teaching him a lesson right there. That church, we don't exchange church for football or baseball or any hobby because I'm telling you, then people go, I don't know why they won't come to church. They're always having fun in the world. Look in the mirror. I know it's not popular. 
Well, little Johnny won't fit in because baseball is only on Sunday. Well, you're just going to exchange little Johnny. You're going to teach little Johnny a lesson that's not important. You're going to teach little Johnny that baseball is his God and religion is a side note. Amen. Well, he might pout. He might pitch a temper tantrum. There's a cure for that. I got 42 inches of it right here. It's leather. Amen. Dad just called me. Okay, 44 inches. Thanks, Dad. I know you called me out. It's because I beat him at golf. Don't let him fool you. We exchange. Listen to me. There are great Christian people that honestly love the Lord that make those kind of exchanges, and they don't even realize because, listen, when you make an exchange, a lot of times you don't realize the consequences. Hey, Samson had a wife and a girlfriend before Delilah. He didn't get burned the first time until he went back the second time. He didn't get it. Listen, you can start making little exchanges today. You won't pay for them now. They'll come. They'll come. I, I can't, I've counseled so many people over the years, and they're like, man, I'm just under such great attack. And I think to the service right before, and I think about that Sunday night service where God just moved, and you looked around, and they weren't there. And I was like, that service was for them. Amen. If they would have just been there, but they exchanged something. They made an exchange. Amen. Today, we can't exchange. Listen, it haunts me. You could ask her. I'll lay in bed sometime at night and weep over this church thinking that people are going to hear and experience the goodness of God in moves. And he's going to come back one day and they're not going to make it. It haunts me. Paul called it knowing the terror of the Lord. We persuade men. I want to persuade you today. There is nothing this world has that compares to the true freedom of Jesus Christ. Listen, the freedom doesn't mean easy. My friends that don't serve the Lord, if you look at them on the surface, they don't have all the problems I have. And if they do get a problem, they go to the bar and slam down a couple of shots, and they could, their conscience is soothed, and they just keep going. Yeah, that was a really successful statement. It's true. That's how it works. But a Christian can lay down in peace in the middle of the battle. You can't compromise. You can't compromise. I'm telling you. So I, I don't know how. I, I told God today, I laid on that altar and said, I do not have the vocabulary and eloquence to tell the people how serious what I'm saying is. And I ask him to help me. You can't make those exchanges. Tomorrow morning, you can't exchange something for your Bible time. It'll cost you. Listen, God doesn't care about your much speaking. Some people are like, well, I don't even know how to pray. Yes, you do. The same way you talk to me. Yes, there's a reverence for God, but just talk to Him. I found out one of the greatest prayers God ever moves on, every time I pray it, He moves, is just help me. I'd need you today. Brother Hank, do you care if I share what you told me? 
last Sunday? Thank you. After church, me and Hank, a bunch of sissies crying out in the parking lot. And you know he don't cry. He knows I'm just playing. Don't beat me up. <laughs> he says to me after the sermon about seeking God, he says, you know what's the craziest thing about me? God sees me. And he told me some other stuff. But the gist, he said, God sees every ugly thing about me. Every thought I have that's not right. Every action I have that's not right. He knows everything about me. But he still wants me. And me and him teared up, and I thought, what a God. What a God. He sees everything, every little, you know, have you ever had just a conversation of what you would tell people in the shower? I don't know, that's my place. I guess I'd tell them this and this, and I'd tell them this and just. I mean, maybe it's just me, but that's my place where I tell everybody off. I'd tell them this and tell them that. People are laughing because they're all like, man, I didn't know anybody else did that. <laughs> you might be driving down the road thinking about it. I have a good mind. Blah, 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 blah. And you just go up this. God, God sees all that. It grieves him, by the way, because God is love. And he still, when we turn our head to him, he draws close because he wants us. Don't, don't exchange so much that you forget this Christian life is about joy unspeakable and full of glory. So many times I compromise and exchange good words for bad words, and then I reap the consequences. Amen. It's 20 minutes till 12. Y'all might as well settle in. If we would just have said the right thing with the right spirit, we would have kept our soul trouble free. But we had to say it. And we exchanged God's purity for our carnality. And it cost us. Amen. How I know that when I'm getting kind of cold to God is when I start seeing the church. And instead of remembering how much I love this church and love the people, I start to critique every little thing we could do. That's a trap, by the way. You listen to me, it's a trap. It's nothing but a trap. Amen. If you're new here, you won't see anything for a while. When you do start to see something, it's because we're all humans and there's no perfect churches. But when you're in love with him, I'm telling you, it's so easy to exchange our opinions. And I notice when I get that way, I've made an exchange somewhere more than that. It's been the last few weeks. You can get so busy with church stuff that you grow cold. Amen. You can get so about Jesus and doing for him that you miss him. And then all of a sudden, everything's just a burden and everybody's all acting crazy. I'm going to say this last thing, and I, I promise you I'll close. That's a lot, that's a lot because I got one more scripture to read. <laughs> Listen, I'm a communication major. I know when you say I'm closing, everybody perks up and you can shove some more scripture right in them. They're like, yeah, it's ending. Nope, a lie. <laughs> yeah. I've seen, I've never seen this scripture 
I was at a friend of mine's church and I was preaching on it and it just, I, I've been preaching it wrong. I'm so thankful that God even sometimes we preach it the way, the light we have, but we see it a different way. You ever read about the root of bitterness? It says, don't let, be holy for God is holy. Don't, see, he's set apart. He doesn't get bitter. First of all, he puts, you know, I've heard preachers take that text, be holy, and they start preaching about what you shouldn't do. And do. Listen, he's, read the rest of the context. God is so far above us in love that he can't be bitter at us. He's full of love. And he says, hey, you should be the same way because God should be in you. And that's not the part he showed me. He said, lest any root of bitterness spring up defiling many. Well, I've already, I read that as a root of bitterness springs up. And how many people have let a root of bitterness spring up and it's defiled them all? That is not what that really says. It means that when you get one root of bitterness in you that you will not deal with, it will defile many around you. If you break, break down the Greek of that, what it's saying, it means that you're, I always thought, well, yeah, think about all the years that bitterness has taken people down. Yeah, it defiled many. No, 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 no. It means your root of bitterness that's undealt with will spring up and everybody in your life will eat that fruit and they'll die from it. They'll get offended. They'll take on, oh, you're offended. It's so easy to take somebody's offense. Our flesh already likes it. And I've seen so many people exchange their soul to keep their offense. Amen. Nona even said yes out loud. Go, girl. It's true. Be in church. That one offense, it springs up. And it forces people to start taking sides. Well, you don't know this, or you don't know what that is. You don't know this. And it grieves the very heart of God. Because he's like, you should be holy. You should be above that. You should be love. Love. You should be above that. And boy, I'm telling you as humans, we will exchange our soul's so easy for an offense. Amen. Amen. And you're walking around and your crew's walking around and everybody's angry. And, and you should read. When I was reading it at my friend's church, when it says they'll be defiled, you need to read what that means. They're going to lose out. You might think your little grudge is worth it. It might cost more than you, your soul, their soul. He's saying everybody around you could lose their soul. I've seen it. Two families in the church go at it. Next thing you know, people around them stop coming to church. Well, there you go. Started working. It sprung up and all the fruit of it's defiling everybody in the circle. Bethany has this thing she does, and it's the most annoying thing to me. But listen, I'm not putting her down, so don't think I'm putting her down. And she knows what I'm about to say. Anytime I talk about somebody, she instantly begins to correct me. And I'm like, if you would just let me get it out. She begins, well, but they're good, and they're this, and remembering this. And she won't even let me just vent. 
I'm like, please, just let me vent. I don't even mean it sometimes. I just want to say it. <laughs> Amen. She yeah, but remember this, and Christ died for him. And, and I'm like, no, just sit there and let me be ugly. <laughs> and so one time we were arguing about that. And she said, you ever thought the reason that I instantly begin to speak it? Because when you start to say it, it gets into me, and I don't want it to take me down. Oh, that was humbling, by the way. I thought, wow, I don't mind taking myself down sometimes, but when you start thinking about taking your root of bitterness, beginning to defile people you love, it changes. She said, I can't, I can't listen to it because if I listen to it and I don't start saying the good and reminding myself of who they are and they're bought with the blood of Jesus and they're my brother and my sister, she said, it will get that seed that you're spewing from your mouth will get in me. Telling y'all, she's way better a Christian than I am. Just believe that. It's the truth. And so now sometimes I want to vent. And I go to the only one I can vent to that can see me ugly and still wants me. And I go to him and say, I am so something. You ever been there? I told somebody a while back, if I hear one more scripture about fertility I'm raw to it and brother Dennis always comes up and says all his promises are yes and amen that's like a bomb to me but you know they'll start quoting scriptures at you and you're like I know all those please don't tell me another scripture my soul is raw but I have a heart for people now that have infertility I can't tell you the people that'll tell me they're struggling and I can look at them and they can all say but Jesus will help you through it. I don't just believe that. I now know that. And all of a sudden, your misery becomes your ministry. I wouldn't have chose that, by the way. Amen. But it's worth it. Don't exchange today some bitterness for your soul. You might have to pray and say, God, I need you to take this root from me. And he'll pull it from you. He will. It won't feel good until it's all gone. During the process, it stinks. God will speak to you and say, I want you to start calling their name out every day in prayer. No way. <laughs> and then you'll say, God, I want you to bless. And that root has your heart. It won't let it come out of your mouth. From the abundance of your heart, your mouth speaks. And the next day you say, okay, God, I need you even more. That love needs to be shed abroad. And then you say, God, I pray for so-and-so. And that's painful. But then the next time you notice something, it's easier. And the next thing you know, I, I've seen it so many times. It's the craziest thing. You fall in love with your enemy. You begin to pray for him. Y'all better hear me. Papa said, I low talk. I'm not low talking right now. I'm talking as loud as I can to your soul. You begin to love your enemies. And I promise you, every time I read love your enemies, I do not. I, I'm like, oh my gosh, you're asking the impossible. No, he's not. 
He, he loved us. And we say we know that, but the only way you can experience that is when you have an enemy and you begin to pray for him. And you begin to get a compassion. You also begin to get an understanding for them and what they're going through and why they did what they did. And the next thing you know, those people that were in your circle that are bashing them because you had that root, you're defending them to the very people around you. Works. It works. And all of a sudden you get your soul back. And you just exchange your soul, keep it, to give away that bitterness. I'm telling you, it'll take you down. It'll take you down. You better let it go. It's not a joke. Amen? Everybody stand with me. you could feel what I feel today I just want us to take a second it's 10 minutes to 12 you, you might be in the fire and you've made some exchanges he's here today we brought him with us. Where two or three are gathered, he is here. And when Jesus is here, everything changes like that. Listen, I've made exchanges before. That cost me. God sent me today to warn you. I'm telling you, if you lose your soul... There's nothing you can exchange that would be worth it. Jesus said it. I keep going back to Stephen Hawkins. I'm thinking he had it all. Personal chefs, private jet, houses everywhere. I guarantee you you can go back to he had, he had a problem. And he was in a wheelchair most of his life. And I guarantee you there was a bitterness that got a hold of him inside his heart at God. And therefore he didn't believe in God anymore. I guarantee you can go back to it. Bethany walked in my, our room one day and I had a Steve, uh, Charles Darwin biography. was on my nightstand and she was like, um, <laughs> why would you read that? And I said, because I heard somebody talking about him, Charles Darwin was actually getting ready to go into seminary. He had eight kids, and one of his daughters, while he was on the Galapagos Islands, where they said he birthed evolution, actually, he was writing things you can read about how God made the creation and what a wonderful creation it was. And he got a letter from his wife and said, little Susie's going to die. She's sick. And he wrote back and said, God's going to take care of her. And he got a message back and said, little Susie's dead. And he set out. He didn't go to the funeral. He said, funerals are for believers. I'm not going there. She's dust and there's no afterlife. And it warped him. 
So he set out to prove the same things he saw in the Galapagos Islands. You can read his writing, I mean his own pen. You can see the change where he made an exchange that day. He started to doubt the goodness of God because let me tell you something. Little Susie knew the scripture that said the death of one of his saints is a high prize and valuable in the eyes of the Lord. Little Susie was with Jesus. It's hard. I understand. I'm not third, But he didn't get it. He at that day exchanged rage and anger for his soul. Don't you be one of those people. God is good. It's not just something we say all the time and all the time God's good. No, God is good. There's no shadow of turning in thee. There's no darkness. You don't get angry, God, and move. All good and perfect gifts come from God. On the flip side, I know a preacher in the church of God that his son and a buddy were in the garage talking, and they died from carbon monoxide poisoning. And when, the, when he found him, he held his son, and he said, thank you, God, for giving me these wonderful 18 years. tough he didn't lose his soul that day amen you see how serious it gets right there life is that way it's a vapor maybe you're mad at God today Drew got up here and preached about this season he went through and I was like I love young preachers they're raw they ain't had somebody come and tell them to polish it down. Well, try to look like you're a, you know. No, just be real with people. And we'll polish some of that stuff. He vented his frustration and his anger that he got mad at God. Until you go through some stuff, you say, how? I used to hear people say they got mad at God, and I'd be like, how can you get mad at him? Until every month you think you're going to get pregnant and he's the author of life and you can do whatever you want to and the baby doesn't come. All of a sudden you get mad at the good God. You have to learn how to exchange it. Amen? You could be hurt today. God's okay with it. Just come back to him. He only wants the best for you. He made a heaven just for you. When Hank was saying that, Brother Hank was saying that, I thought, yeah, he not only just wants us down here, he is going to spend eternity with us because he craves us. What a mighty God we serve. The angels bow before him, heaven and earth adore him, but he wants a worm like us. He desires us. Amen. Amen.